Hey everyone, Adela here. I just wanted to pop in real quick to explain that this is a bonus episode featuring an episode from the new Inside Podcasting podcast. Like the PBC podcast, the Inside Podcasting podcast is very meta. It's a really great podcasting newsletter from inside.com and Sky Pillsbury is the editor. Side note, Sky was also featured on a story of heavyweight, so look up number 17 and hear her story. Anyway, Sky decided to take her love of podcasts to the next level by starting one. And they're in the middle of their first season right now, and Sky is interviewing some of our favorite podcasters about their craft. This episode features her chat with Ian Shillog of Everything is Alive. I hope you enjoy it. Hey guys, welcome to Inside Podcasting. I am your host, Sky Pillsbury, and today I speak with Ian Chillock. He is the host of Everything is Alive, a show in which he interviews inanimate objects. It is funny, it is thought-provoking, it's poignant, it's all the things. We kick things off by talking a bit about Ian's background, which I really enjoyed. But if you want to get right to the Everything is Alive chat, that starts around minute seven or eight. And we also include a clip of the show around minute 13 or 14. So just some signposts in the road for you there. I hope you enjoy the show. Ian, your podcast is so delightful, and I am personally so excited to be talking to you about it. It's also very quirky, and I wonder whether you were a quirky child. <laughs> Just getting right into it. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I mean, I feel like mostly kids are pretty weird. You know, I was a kid that teachers and other authority figures called creative. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's funny when you think about that in the context of the show. I got this note from. Do you know what object-oriented ontology is? No, I did not. I did not know this term until I started making the show where I talked to inanimate objects. But there is this school within philosophy, within academic philosophy, called object-oriented ontology, hmm. um, where people think about essentially the life of objects, and so. I when I started the show, I heard from people who study this, and one guy, a professor, wrote me and said, he said, I'm not doing anything new exactly. I just didn't stop doing what everybody does when they're kids. He just continued the creativity from his childhood into his, he found a way to make it a career. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's cool. What was your early life like? I don't know what to, to say. I Yeah, I grew up in West Virginia. I have... Uh, <laughs> I have two parents who are both named, they're both named Sean. That's, that's a factor. Oh, that's interesting. Was that confusing? The same name. Uh, no. And weirdly, I didn't call them mom and dad. Uh, you called I did them Sean and Sean? I called them Sean and Sean. I mean, I called them mom and dad when I was younger, but then I started calling them Sean and Sean. And I think there's just something about it where like their backs could be turned to me and I could intend to get my dad's attention and say, Sean. And the right one would turn around. So there's some, you know, there's some nuance probably in the way I say Sean, whether I'm talking to my mom or my dad. That's very interesting. One that you're not even really consciously aware of. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So tell us about the path that you took to becoming a radio producer. I don't know much about this part of your background. Yeah. Well, in college, I did a lot of 
photography, and I was really interested in documentary photography. Um, and out of college, I wanted to kind of make a go of that and had a couple photography assisting jobs and then was doing some stringing for weekly papers in Philadelphia. Um, but I was a, also a very bad photographer and my captions were always a lot better than my images. And mm. I thought, uh, there was something about the type of photography I was interested in where I kind of realized that the stories that I wanted to tell with uh, photographs, no one would ever see them because, you know, maybe they would end up in, if I was lucky, a, you know, fancy literary magazine or a gallery somewhere. Um, and I don't know, I had this idea that if the stories were what mattered, then radio was a much better place to tell them because you could have no money and be in the middle of a field anywhere in the world and have a radio and hear them. So um, I thought maybe I'll try radio instead because that's a way to reach more people. Um, so I went and started volunteering at WHYY in Philadelphia. Uh, where I worked on a show called Been There, Done That, which was a public radio show aimed directly at baby boomers, as if every public radio show was not aimed directly at baby boomers. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I was uh, 21, 22 years old, um, producing segments uh, like the colonoscopy special we did. The what? I'm sorry? A colonoscopy special, which was a live recording oh. of, a, of a colonoscopy. Wow, what was that? Uh, there was uh, mostly it was mostly a lot of moaning was <laughs> was the main sound <laughs> that came across. What a strange job for you to have in your early twenties. Yeah, yeah, totally. It was great though. I mean, it was great because um, the producer I worked with was really open to me trying weird things, and um, also I wasn't maybe because I wasn't the audience and the audience wasn't that big. I didn't feel like there were consequences for doing weird things. Mm -hmm. um, Cause it didn't really feel to me like anybody was ever going to hear it. it. It was a good place to kind of explore, I guess. Take risks. Yeah. Yeah. Just sort of, I don't know, figure, you know, it was like, it was like finger painting. <laughs> I like that metaphor. Yeah, I think that's what it felt like. Being at WHYY, I, for some reason, Danny Miller, the executive producer of Fresh Air, there was a job opened up and he asked me if I wanted to apply for it. I don't know what he saw in me because uh, I was, yeah, I was probably a pretty obnoxious young producer, but um, I got that job and that was wonderful. And my, yeah, my time there was really great. Can I ask you, because... And I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but I, she, I'm such a, I mean, Terry's a hero of mine. What was it like to work with her? She's the best. Um, yeah, I mean, it was. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. No, there's like, I think sometimes people want there to be a dark side. Oh, um, no, I don't. I want her to be perfect. <laughs> I can tell you there's no dark side. I can tell you the one thing, uh, being a fan of hers for as long as I was before I started working there. Um, you know, you never hear her curse on the radio. And the first time you hear an F-bomb come out of Terry Gross's <laughs> mouth in Terry Gross's voice, it's it's like 
as bizarre as if your cat said it. You know, it's like that's not that doesn't belong there. Yeah, I can see that. She and Danny were both and everybody there really were just so generous and um yeah, it was a really really great place to be and a great place to learn. Let's get to everything is alive. I've heard you say that the podcast came out of your tendency to joke in your everyday life about the secret life of inanimate objects. Was was there a particular moment when you realized, oh, my sense of humor, yeah, that could be a podcast? No, no, no. there wasn't. But I recently uh, was going through the notes app on my phone, um, looking for some note that I'd left myself. And I found this <laughs> note from... I don't know, from like 2012 or something that it was just a sentence, something like, um, sometimes I think about the vegetables in the fridge after the light turns off and get sad. And <laughs> which I was like, oh, oh, I thought I had this idea a year ago, but it turns out it was festering there before that. So wait, um, let me just make sure. This was a note that you were leaving for yourself as a possible idea, or this was just like a note you were leaving yourself? It was probably a note I left myself thinking about writing a short story. Like it was a thought that I had, and I was like, oh, there's probably something there that I, okay. I want to write about. Yeah. How interesting. Um, yeah. Wow. Do you do that? Do you leave notes for yourself in your on the notes app? Yes, I do it all the time. And then they become very unwieldy and I have to clean them out. Yeah. Those no. And there's like, like one day in 2014, I will have said to myself, um, uh, time serial. And I'll like, and that's all I would have, will have written in the note. And then I'm, now it's five years later and I look and it says time serial. I'm like, what, what did I think <laughs> that, <laughs> what was that idea? I don't know. That's a hard one to decode. Well, let me know if you figure it out. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> Your show is entirely improvised, no? Pretty much, yeah. So explain that. Okay, so the basic way we make the show is we cast an actor. Um, our producer, Pat Jennifer, is in charge of that. Okay, does she, and is she like working with an agency or is she, do you ever call people that you just know? Um, mostly it's people I don't know. And it's almost entirely Jennifer keeping an eye on the improv and comedy scene in New York, mostly. Mm -hmm. And just when somebody seems like they uh, might be good. And the thing we're always looking for is people who are funny, but aren't people who need to be funny all the time, mm -hmm. um, which is a surprisingly narrow needle to thread, I think. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, so we cast actors, and I have a running list of objects, and uh, when we find someone we like, and we have a couple objects that we've vetted through some research, we give them a couple to choose from, and they pick the one that speaks to them. And then uh, I get on the phone with them and talk for about 20 minutes just about basic character notes, like, um, you know, if you're playing a, a a piece of tape. What about tapeness would inform your personality? Like, mm -hmm. do you feel, do you have attachment issues because you're always sticking to things? Do you think, do you, are you constantly worried about um, things breaking because your only encounter with the world is 
broken things mm. um you know or are you do you feel are you tense and kind of clenched up because you live in a coil so like we ask those questions just as a way to get at the core of what the personality is is it is it like a brainstorming session then that's happening on the phone or is it like her, you asking him or her what they think or vice versa like who who is someone leading this meeting or is it just a free for all yeah i'm pr- i'm pretty much leading it um but you know the the places we end up is really collaborative yeah um but but yeah i mean i know what i'm looking for i know how much of the character needs to be in sight by the end of that conversation mm-hmm. so so yeah i'm leading that okay um but once we have that i like to take i like them to take a couple of days and just kind of think about it then we meet back in the studio and do an interview for 90 minutes and it really feels like an interview to me it doesn't yeah. feel like a performance it's um feels feels real did you have any improv training prior to doing this podcast no no so is that nerve-wracking at all that oh i'm going to be working with an improv person but because you're just being yourself does that feel natural yeah it feels it feels natural i mean i am occasionally you know i know that there are skills i don't have and so i have some fear sometimes that i'm not helping the person be the best they can i think that your responses to some of what they say are the best parts because it's so deadpan in this way that's just sort of the perfect, I don't know, do you call that a foil? I don't know. But it's somehow your reactions, your surprise, but subtle surprise um, works so well in the show. Oh, yeah. That's that's nice of you to say. I mean, I mostly I think what that is, is when I insert myself like that, it's just to emphasize what's just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know? Yeah. Like it. Yeah, whatever <laughs> ignorance about the human world or special insight from the object world has just been expressed. Like, because the show is like, it's so, it's mostly really subtle. And occasionally there's something where I, it's important to me that <laughs> it come across. Yeah. Yeah. So let's play a clip from the show. And um, would you mind setting the clip up. I wanted to play one just because I hope that we have people listening to this who have not listened to your podcast and I and it's hard for them I think to really get into the to get the vibe of it without hearing it. Sure. This is a clip from our episode Emmy Pregnancy Test. Uh Emmy is played by Emmy Blotnick, the comedian. Um and uh yeah, I I think like like all of the episodes Emmy knows a lot more about us than we do because of her special job as a pregnancy test. But there's also a lot of things that she is unaware of because um, of how specialized her role in our lives is. Well, I I first thought I would start by asking you some questions about babies, but you actually, despite what you do, you actually interact with adults a lot more than babies. Do you you have a sense for what babies are like? (sighs) I I know it's like a small I've seen them in the aisle before and they're like they're like little people that can't do anything. Yeah. I I think I understand them as little people that uh they make noise. 
they don't really help with anything. Yeah. So so what you're um, like I've never seen a baby like refill the stock of pregnancy tests. Right. Right. But I understand also that they're they're very cute and people like taking care of a thing that does nothing. It never gets old. Tell me about that moment. Uh can you unpack for us how you and that actor prepared for that scene? I yeah, I mean I don't I think we didn't we didn't probably prepare for that scene particularly. I guess do you know oh this is going to go in this direction? Do you have do you have certain parameters? When you start talking like, okay, we're going to hit on this, this would be funny here, and then it's sort of improv around that framework, or is it just, we're just going? Usually what we do is we we just go in, and I, I have questions I want to ask, and I have scenes in mind that might be interesting, um, and sometimes they work in the course of the conversation sometimes they fit the arc that ends up emerging and sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we, when we get near something like the idea that she would have no idea what a baby was, even though she was a pregnancy test, mm-hmm. when we get near it um, or we, maybe there's a passing joke about it at that point, I'll, I'll kind of stop down and say, you know what, there's really, there's something really funny or occasionally beautiful in whatever that idea is. Um, let's go back and do it again and really just kind of bring it up. So mm-hmm. rise it up from where it started and I'll, I'll see like a glimmer of something and then try to forefront it um, through repetition and, and a little bit of direction. Do do the actress ever totally surprise you with something? I was listening to the uh, baseball hat episode and he is talking about how he could have been lots of different hats and you know well he could have been the falcon sex hat and and your reaction to that sounded so real to me that you would never heard of a falcon sex hat what but is that true are you just is that just great acting i'm i'm surprised by the actors all the time that time mm-hmm. you're talking about i was i was not surprised oh funny <laughs> um with one thing that I found about the show is when it comes to the real information, um, and there are, you know, there are a couple, I hope, fascinating stories about um, the real world in each episode. I do all of that research myself. I initially was working with uh, a producer and really wanted to be surprised by it. So I just sort of set the producer loose on finding those things. Um, but I, I think I, it turns out I have very particular taste about what kinds of reality I think is interesting. And um, so I kind of have to do that myself, like find that thing about the Falcon sex hat mm. or find the thing in the Gioki grain of sand episode, the fact that white sand beaches are actually parrotfish poop. Right. Um, <laughs> so, Shocking discovery for many of us, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I dream that someone was listening to the podcast, sitting on a white sand beach, <laughs> like feel, feeling that realization beneath their suit. You know? I hope so. But narratively and and character wise, and just kind of moment wise, the actors surprise me all the time, and that's really, I love that. I love that. Yeah. But uh, when it comes to real information, I'm pretty much never surprised. Okay. Got it. Got it. In the middle of each episode, you include a real life interview with an expert of some kind. And and my impression is that those are all 
real people that you've called, right? All all the humans in the show are real. Are real. Yes. How do you decide who you're going to call? It has to come out of where there's kind of a whole uh, a, a gap of uh, like something I'm really curious about from the uh, improvise from the object conversation arc. So I I generally get together a rough cut of the conversation with the object, and then if there's a place where it feels like we'd like to know more here then we get about tracking down the person and i really want that i want you you said experts and they often are experts i really don't want them to be experts um i'm much more i i really like when they're just uh people who have some connection to whatever we're talking about mm-hmm. and that that conversation makes me so much it, I just find that so much more satisfying. I like when they don't like me too. <laughs> Who didn't like you? Well, I think you can hear tension with a lot of them. Like, <laughs> so I cold call. I don't. I don't like to do pre-interviews with anybody. I don't like people to know I'm calling because I just think that when you're asking somebody for their time when they don't really have it, I just love the tension of that. Mm-hmm. I like. I like the texture change that you get with that. And yeah. I, um. Yeah. So, you know, occasionally we've been on deadline and desperate and kind of gone to a, an experty expert. Um, but I, yeah, I, that's one thing I really want to get better at in the show is making sure the people working on the show have the time to um, find the best people. Um, Cause mm-hmm. yeah. I just, I don't know. I love when it sounds real and not like something you would hear on Morning Edition. I love yeah. Morning Edition, but I don't what, want to sound like it. So what would you call those people? Since so many of them, really, you're right, are not experts. They're, they're, they, they have a specialty or they know something very well and they can help you with it. But what would you, do you have preferred so that we can set the record straight that <laughs> they're not experts? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we, we we just call them, I guess, the human interview or uh, the, the human call interview. Out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. works. That works for me. Yeah. Um, many episodes, uh, almost most, I would say, have contained moments of seriousness. And and I've noticed that you, that mortality comes up a lot. And I think that makes sense because objects, you know, don't always last. Um, but I, maybe this is a weird question, but I wonder whether you think about mortality a lot. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> doesn't everybody? <laughs> I don't know if they think about it as much as you. Yeah, I do. I mean, I do think about it a lot. I, I also, one thing that I kind of discovered after starting to make the show is that there's two types of objects. There are objects that are used once and there are objects that are used all the time. And objects that are used once have this very weird existence where the thing that they are for, like their kind of core identity, they have no experience of whatsoever. Like a can of cola lives its whole life not being drunk. So all of its experiences actually have nothing to do with what it is intended for. (laughs) And, you know, and in most cases, a syringe is like that. A syringe is um, sitting around waiting to be inserted into somebody's body. But, and that's the thing that it, we think about when we think about it. It has no experience of the most important moment of its life. Like we have memories of the most important moments of our life, but mm-hmm. uh, 
objects don't. Um, and then there are objects who are used every day and do have those memories, like the subway seat, you know, mm-hmm. it has yeah. count countless. Yeah. Um, and so in kind of pr- producing the show, I try to mix up those two types of objects because I think you do run up against the same themes in, um, in those two categories. And I think you do often end up abutting issues about mortality. Um, and so the challenge is to always find a new thing to talk about in mortality when you're talking about it. Um, but also to talk to objects that don't need to think about it as much as others. I enjoy those discussions. Yeah, me too. I think they bring us to a totally new place and an unexpected place often and, and a more poignant place. It's you have, you can contain both, you know, the humor and the more serious moments. And I really enjoy that. I mean, I think that's like, that's what lives are, you know, like lives aren't just Mm -hmm. serious or just funny. And so like, I, it's my feeling that the show should be, the show should be like a life, you know, it should be (laughs) able to do all of those things. Yeah. It's a, it's a full life. It's a, yeah, I agree. Um, you, you've said that some of the responses you've received have been dramatic, I think was a word that you used. And I wanted to know if you could share a few of the most memorable responses you've received from listeners. So I just was just at this podcast festival um, mm-hmm. in Australia and someone asked me about, uh, I don't know, the impact that the show is making on people. And I talked about this one email I got and I, I'm not a person who cries, but I got very choked up on stage, which is, uh, it was really, it's weird. Let's do it right now. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I'll just say, I think people have found different ways of saying that the show has made them while listening to the show, they realize that they're having empathy for an inanimate object and that that's a very weird feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people write in variations on saying that when they have that weird feeling, they think about why am I having this weird feeling and what does it mean about the amount of empathy or the type of empathy I should have for the humans in my life? Mm-hmm. Like if I'm feeling this now, Shouldn't I be feeling it <laughs> when I'm when I'm not listening to a dumb podcast where a guy talks to lampposts? <laughs> I don't know. That's very meaningful to me. It's not my intention at all. I just want it to be an interesting, entertaining show. Um, but I, yeah, I think it has it has done that to two and four people. Which I yeah, I'm I'm just kind of amazed and grateful that that's happened. Everything is Alive is part of the Radiotopia network of podcasts. And how does that work? Can you share with our listeners, how do you become a member? What does that actually really even mean? Yeah. So I pitched the show to Julie Shapiro, who's the executive producer. Did you know her Um, from before? uh, A little bit. We were both in Chicago at the same time and have, you know, crossed paths in different circles. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, didn't know her well. But um. I sent her a pilot and um, she immediately, she, I think I hope I'm not putting words in her mouth, but she, I think she loved it and Hmm. it was like, let's do it. Um, Which was great. Uh, And 
being a part of the collective is it's not like every show is its own small business. Um, there, you know, every show is an independent thing and Mm -hmm. you can choose for yourself how much assistance you want from the, the core of the collective. Um, but they do some promotion, sell some ads. Um, there's, Right. You know, I feel like I can reach out to other people in the network. Like if I have a question about a thing that I'm working on that has to do with words, I feel like I can call Helen Zaltzman anytime. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I really, I love, I love the mission of Radiotopia. And I think it's why they picked this show is I think that their goal above all things is to make the ecosystem of shows available to us more diverse um i i with this show i didn't even i didn't care if it was good i just wanted it to be a different thing a a different choice somebody could make when they were choosing what to listen to Mm -hmm. um and i think that radiotopia and i think julie really believe in putting different things out into the world and Mm -hmm. yeah i really i get with that and I do really, I can appreciate that being able to talk to someone like Helen, who you just mentioned, to run something by someone else is is so helpful that you, so that you're not just living in your own little bubble of your own show, but you, you get real feedback and maybe it helps to not feel like isolate, isolated a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel, I feel very isolated. <laughs> you do? A, yeah. Not, not because of, not because those things aren't available to me, but just, it's a, yeah, it's a very, it's a hard show to make and it's, you know, um, there are great people working on it, but I'm the only one working on it full time and it's hard. This is a hard, dumb business. making these things is really hard everyone everyone who's doing this is well says the same thing yeah (laughs) it's exhausting and it's hard yeah 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 it has to be you have to love it yeah there's no other reason to do it um i know that your dream is to get ice cube to play an ice cube and i'd like to know how close you are to realizing that dream i'm not close (laughs) (laughs) someday i just i believe it's gonna happen i feel like he would be excited to make it happen yeah yeah i just got you know what yeah i just gotta i gotta take some steps yeah it's time to take some steps yeah there's a few there are a few steps in there i have to ask what podcasts inspire you or just Um, entertain you it doesn't need to be a lofty word like inspire it could be just what are you listening to right now yeah, I said I really love This Is Love right now. Mm, I think mm-hmm. that it's really, I think I just, I love the way they think about stories. Yeah. Um, just finished The Dream. Oh. Which I really thought, thought was great. Yeah, I like that one too. I just love, I love that it's so, it's so fun and so singular. Like it's just, it's fun and in its own way. And then it ends up, feels like it's maybe just fun for a minute and then by the end of it you're it's this incredible reporting that 
gets to corruption at the highest levels of the U.S. government. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I just love that move, you know? Um, yeah. Surprising. Where yeah. Go and then, one? have you heard Gay Future? I have not. Do you know, do you, have you heard of it? Uh, yes, I have. In fact, I think that I've maybe written about it in the newsletter, but I write so much that I'm not remembering the specifics. I love the pre- I love I love the premise of that show. The premise is that um, it's a podcast adaptation of a young adult novel written by a young Mike Pence. Yes, uh, about yes, <laughs> yes. I now remember. So it, I just I love the audacity of that premise that we are going to make up a fake book, and then we are going to make an adaptation of that fake book. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just the layers on that I love. I'm writing yeah. this I down. Just, I I've got to check it out. I love. I just love when thing. I don't know. I love really niche stuff and really weird stuff. Yeah. Um. I just and even things I don't love. There are things I don't love that I'm just glad they're happening. You know. <laughs> yeah, I actually heard you once say that there's like a podcast flavor that like. I can't remember yeah. where you were saying it. And it's sort of like sort of the same way that like McDonald's has its own flavor. Sometimes podcasts have their own flavor, but it was some it was a flavor that you didn't like. Like it was it wasn't a good thing to have the podcast flavor, the way you were saying it. I, there's yeah, there is it's not entirely articulable, just the way that McDonald's flavor is not articulable. But um <laughs> good use yeah, of that just word. Think, <laughs> it's, I don't even know if it's a word. But uh <laughs> Yeah. I mean, don't you listen to things and you're like, oh, this is very podcasty. Um, I mean, yeah. But the funny thing was that I thought when you were saying that, I thought you were going to a place of like, and that's what I love. (laughs) And instead you were like, and the podcast flavor is not, it doesn't make me happy. I thought you were saying like, there's, you know, because like I'll have moments where I'm listening to a podcast that I really love and I almost feel euphoric about it when I'm I'm like walking down the street and I'm... I'm just in this like podcast fog at that moment. And so yeah. in a way that's sort of what I, where I thought you were going with that statement. I would imagine when that, when you're having that experience, it's something that has transcended pod- podcastiness. Yeah. I don't know. But, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe when someone's made a podcast and, and they're just, they're trying to make it sound too much like podcasts that they've heard or something like that. Um, but we don't yeah. need to throw shade, I suppose. No, no. I'll, I'll stop myself from <laughs> throwing shade. I do feel like there's this trend towards really hyper-specific topics. I mean, I'm a person who has a show where I talk to inanimate objects, so I don't have room to talk. But um, but there'll be shows where like they start and the person is like, hey, this is the show where we talk about people who at one point with a friend had a fight where they stole something from the friend and now they're thinking about whether or not to return it. And it's like the, the show is just going to be people telling versions of that. It's going to be like a six episode serialized season. Not serialized. Each episode is a different person oh, telling okay. about a time they've stolen an article of clothing okay. from a friend. And it was just like, I never know. <laughs> I never know how many, like, from the premise of the show, you're going to know how that show ends every time. <laughs> That's or something. true. You know? Uh-huh. 
Yeah, it's a little formulaic. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there I think there are things that you you know, we all get tired of because we've heard so mi- so much of them, but then the individual things are great, you know. Like mm-hmm. I think people talk about how people think of podcasts as a true crime delivery service, you know, and mm-hmm. people who make podcasts that aren't true crime lament that. And yeah, and I do too, you know, but also there's such great true crime too. So I think it's, you know, it's an, it's an indictment of the trends without an indictment of the individuals who are making good stuff. Yeah. Because I think, you know, in any, um, in any sub set of these things, it's become a subset because somebody did it really well and another, and other people were inspired and wanted to try to do it too. Yeah. yeah. So, so like while we make fun of the existence of the subset, um, the subset is not full of things we would make fun of. Right. There are things in there that we wouldn't make fun of and it is just good to have people making and creating. Yeah. I think that's true. And I think, (laughs) I think that that's, (laughs) yeah agree yeah and i love i love that about the medium because it's so it's so easy to try yeah you You can do whatever i can't decide to make a feature film tomorrow by myself but well and a feature film about interviewing objects would be interesting i need to ask you to tell our listeners how to find you and how to find your show and maybe how to support your show Sure. You can find our show wherever you find shows by looking for Everything is Alive. <laughs> uh, you can also go to our website, which is everythingisalive.com. Um, we are on Twitter at Ian Chillog, which is sort of the fastest way to talk about the show if you want to talk to me about the show. Ian, it has been a total delight to talk to you today. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you. It was really, really fun talking to you too. Thanks so much for listening to that interview with Ian Chillog. Later this week, we will release a mini episode in which I chat with Kim Lyons, our managing editor here at Inside.com, about the making of this particular show. I hope you'll listen next week when I interview Jesse Hempel. She hosts LinkedIn's podcast, Hello Monday, where she's interviewed an impressive array of guests, including Seth Meyers, Abby Wambach, Elizabeth Gilbert, and Melinda Gates. Prior to working at LinkedIn, Jesse had no podcast podcast experience. So I just loved hearing her insights on what it was like to go from being a print journalist to podcaster. If you have feedback on this show, please email me at skyinside.com or find me on Twitter at Sky Pillsbury. If you'd like to support the work we're doing here at Inside Podcasting, please tell a podcast fan or a podcaster about this podcast and consider subscribing to our free email newsletter of the same name. You can find it at inside.com forward slash podcasting. Inside Podcasting is produced and hosted by me, Sky Pillsbury, with massive production help from Michael Sorg at Sorgatron Media. Charles Quilly is our sound engineer. Rachel Loden is our researcher. Kim Lyons, whose advice is always invaluable in the making of this show, is the managing editor at Inside.com. Special thanks to Inside owner Jason Calacanis for greenlighting this project, and as always, to my family for putting up with me. And finally, thanks to all of you for listening. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. Just a heads up, one of Sky's upcoming interviews will be with Madeline Barron of In the Dark. You can find the Inside Podcasting podcast wherever you listen, and you can subscribe to the newsletter at inside.com slash podcasting and follow Sky on Twitter at Sky Pillsbury. That's Sky with an E at the end. Happy listening.